0: Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome to Liberty Church. Today, uh, we are going to begin a brand new series together, entitled "Equal but Not the Same," and we're going to talk over the next four weeks about celebrating the differences that are in our life. And we're going to kind of recognize something really significant. We're going to learn about a little phrase I just want to call relational harmony. Relational harmony. I want you to think about something today. Every Uh, Every challenge in your life, as a matter of fact, if you think of your greatest joy and your greatest sorrow, you can connect your greatest joy and your greatest sorrow to relationships, right? Every time, right? It's not money and it's not things. There's always a relationship connected to your greatest joy, and there's always a relationship connected to your greatest sorrow. So if we want to tap in to the fullness of life that God has for us, we've got to learn how to begin to walk in what I just want to call relational harmony where we begin to understand that we are equal, but we're not the same, right? We are equal, but we're not the same, and that we can celebrate the differences that God has in us. How many of you wives understand that your husband is a little bit different than you? How many of you men understand your wives are a little bit different than you? That was a weak amen. Thank you, Brother Curtis. She is smarter than you. She's got a degree to prove it. That's on video, that's gonna be good on YouTube. So back on track, here we go. So anyway, so we're gonna dive into this thing today and we're gonna, we're gonna take today and today we're just going to define equality. What does it mean to be equal? Because there are a lot of ideas, philosophies out there today in our culture uh, talking along the lines of equality, right? You hear a lot of that little phrase, racial equality, gender equality, and we've got all these ideas based around equality. But the truth is, if you really listen to much of what is being said today about equality and tolerance, uh, most of those things are not really equality at all. As a matter of fact, they are very divisive and they are very dividing. They don't unite people, they actually separate people. Most people's uh, definition of equality and tolerance comes down to uh, basically you got to see what I see and think what I think or else we can't get along and if you disagree with how I'm living my life then you're judging me and you're intolerant of me. But how many of you understand that that's not true equality and that's not true tolerance, right? As a matter of fact, what we're going to see today from scripture is that the greatest level of equality is found one place and that one place is Jesus Christ Jesus brought a level of equality into the world that has that has trumped and has surpassed any other definition or idea or theology that could ever be conveyed and so today we're just going to lay a foundation of understanding what it means to have equality in Christ what that does for us and in us and through us and how that literally lays the foundation for us to begin to have relational harmony that we can celebrate the differences that God has put in our lives and how we can come together in such a way that our marriages and that our families that our churches that our communities that our nation and that our world can actually begin to thrive because we understand what it really means to be equal in Christ and how we can be equal but not the same but yet we can celebrate those differences that God has for us so let's look uh kind of at that first point on your outline so we said what is equality let me give you our first point equality in Christ Places an equal value, places an equal value on every person. I want to use the word instinctive. The word instinctive means an automatic. There is an instinctive, automatic value that is placed on every single person. Because of Jesus Christ. Because of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there is an instinctive value. There is an equal value that is automatically given to every person. Not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, not because of your position, your power, or your possessions, but there is an automatic instinctive value that is placed on every human being because you and I were created in the image and the likeness of God. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. There is equality in Christ where every person has an instinctive equal value. Why? Because every person was created in the image and likeness of God. You are valuable. You are significant. You are important. And you have worth because you were created in the image and the likeness of God. Now we understand as New Testament Christians that the image of God has been marred, it has been buried, it has been perverted, and it has been corrupted because of sin, because of choices, because of rebellion, because of all kind of things that have happened in our lives. But the reality is at the core value of every person, there is the image of God. God, you were created in his image with the purpose to be an image bearer. God intended that every person would reflect and bear the image of God in the world in such a way that people would come to know God in a personal, intimate, powerful way. And your life has worth because of that. Now, if you'll begin to understand that, it begins to radically change your world because here's what happened. In our culture today, a person has worth and value based upon who they are, based upon what they have, based upon where they, where they live, the car they drive, the money they make, right? And now we have this whole new thing called social media. So now, now your value and your worth comes by how many likes and shares, right? How many followers you got on Twitter, and all of a sudden, we have this crazy culture. We have this crazy culture where people's value and people's worth, and it's not a new thing. It's been, about, been been around since the creation of time. But now there's this crazy culture where people's value and worth is based on their performance, based on their possession, based on their power, based on their position, based on their status, based on their likes, based on their shares. And all of a sudden, we have a world now that is totally living way below the reality of who God has called them to be. And it's only when you begin to understand that there is an equality in Christ that gives every person an instinctive value that automatically comes to you, not because of what you've done or who you are or where you live, but it automatically comes to you because you were created in the image and likeness of God. And there is a powerful, powerful purpose for your life. And that is simply this, that you would reflect and reveal to the world the glory of who God is on the inside of you. Now, because of this revelation, because of this simple understanding of equality in Christ, you know what that means? It means that as a Christian, as a Bible-believing person, I believe that abortion is sin. I believe that euthanasia is sin. I believe that any type of murder is sin. Every person has value, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're old or young, whether you're born or unborn. Right? Every person has value. Well, Pastor Keith, we can argue about that. Yes, we can argue about that. We can argue when his life began. Does life begin at conception. And really, if you read the Bible, you find a couple thoughts. There's one thought where Psalms, David said in the book of Psalms, that when I was in my mother's womb, God knit me and formed me together. But then God even went further than that to Jeremiah. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. So before you were ever conceived, you were birthed in the image of God by spirit in the heart of heaven. So every life matters. Every life matters, born, unborn, young, old, special needs, no needs, right? Every life matters. Your life has value. Your life has worth because you were created in the image and the likeness of God. And that's an amazing thing. That's a liberating thing. That's something that all of a sudden begins to burn on the inside of you. And all of a sudden it begins to strip away the the insecurities of our flesh. Right? Because the reality is everybody in this room battles with some kind of insecurity. Whether we talk about it, whether we want to admit it, there are these little insecurities that run deep in our hearts, many times traced back to things that happened to us when we were children or in elementary school or maybe in high school or maybe a a bad relationship that went south and all of a sudden we have these little insecurities and, and these insecurities limit us. Why? Because we are not stepping out into who God has called us to be and we're allowing these insecurities and these fears and these worries and anticipations of what other people might think about us to begin to press down that image of who God is on the inside of us. And it's only when you begin to grab hold of the equality in Christ that Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has put an instinctive value and worth in you that is not based on anything you can do or should do or would do. It is based on the fact that you were created in His image for His glory, for His purpose, for His great name's sake. And God wants to redeem you and God wants to rescue you. Why? Because the process of redemption is really awesome. Here it is in a a little. Let me give you just a nutshell process. The process of redemption is this. God redeems you from the the sin and the shame of your past so he can spend the rest of your life on earth and in eternity revealing the glory of who God has put in, who he is on the inside of you so the world can see him in you on a daily basis. I'm just going to tell you right now, there's more him in me than you've seen. There's more him in you than I've seen. And if I stay yielded, and if I stay submitted, see, because when you begin to understand this, all of a sudden, it began, I begin to recognize I am valuable. I am valuable because I was created in the image of God. You are valuable because you were created in the image of God. And all of a sudden that revelation begins to stir something up on the inside of me that says I want to submit and I want to yield to the hand of God. I want to let the work of redemption not be a one-time prayer that I pray, but a daily walk that I live where I allow God to continue to uncover and reveal and manifest out of my heart and out of my life the glory of who he is that was divinely deposited into me before I was ever born. And that's an awesome thing because every day I want more. Yes, Lord, I want more. Yes, Lord, do more. Yes, God, reveal more because I know I am valuable. I am worthy. And there's more you, God, that the world has not yet seen that's buried inside me. And I want it to come out and come out big. And I want it to come out real. And I want it to come out powerfully. And I want it to come out in such a way that the world will know that you are God and you are good. Amen. And that's the power of understanding that. But let me just tell you something. God just kind of, God just rocks our world. God takes everything to, to to the extreme. God is this crazy, awesome, holy God in heaven who pushes the limits on everything. Because we look around this room today and we say, man, that person has value, that person has value, that person has value. Maybe we're here to say, we say, babies have value and unborn babies have value and old people have value. But what about wicked people? Ezekiel 33, look what God says. I want you to see this, how awesome God is. Ezekiel 33 verse 11 says, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure, I take no pleasure in the death of of wicked people. I only want them, look what he says, I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now, God is a God of justice, and as a God of justice, he will execute justice on the wicked and destroy them. God is in favor of capital punishment. God is in favor of the death penalty. He actually implemented it. But let me just say this to you. God is a God of justice who rejoices in justice but mourns the fact that the wicked die. Why? Why? because they were created in the image and likeness of God. Their life has value not based on their performance. Their life has value based on the fact they were created in the image of God and God knows the full potential of who they can be, should be, could be, and would be if they would only turn, look what he said, turn from your sins, turn from your wickedness, why? So that you might live. When Hitler died, God did not, God rejoiced in justice but mourned the loss of a soul. When Osama bin Laden died, God rejoiced in justice but mourned the loss of a soul. Why? Because God looks at people and God sees the image of himself on the inside of them and God knows why they were created. They were created to reveal his glory. Sin, rebellion choices decisions corrupt that pervert that and people that were intended to bring life end up bringing death people that were intended to do good end up doing evil people that were to, supposed to advance his kingdom end up warring against his kingdom and God deals with them because he's a God of justice but God mourns over the fact that the wicked die why because every life has value and let me just tell you something that's why we do what we do here at Liberty Church Almost 20 years ago, July the 5th will be our 20th anniversary this year. Almost 20 years ago, we opened the doors of this church. And when we opened the doors of this church, God said this very clearly to me. He said, Keith, I want you to to build a church that's going to reach the people that other people aren't reaching, that's going to do the things other people aren't doing, that's going to go the places other people aren't willing to go. Why? Because every person matters to God. And God knows that the power of the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ is this, that God can take a wicked, vile sinner... And he could transform them into a glorious saint. That God can transform the heart of broken, hurting people and bring them into a place of glory and grace that the world would not ever imagine. Think about it. If you look around this room today, there are people sitting in this room today that two years ago you never thought they'd be where they're at today. Five years ago today, you never thought they'd be where they're at today. But you know what happened? God raised up a church in Arab, Alabama that says we're going to love the unlovable, we're going to reach the unreached, we're going to touch the untouchable, and we're going to do the things that other people don't want to do, not because we're better we're just different, right? We're all equal, but we're not the same, right? And the reality is, is that God loves broken, hurting people. And you don't have to be a drug addict and alcoholic to be broken and hurting. As a matter of fact, your success is many times a mimic to cover up the pain and the insecurities that's in your own heart. There are a lot of financially successful people that are broken and hurting on the inside. And Jesus died for them. And Jesus loves them. And Jesus wants to restore them. And it's an awesome opportunity that we have here today. We are here today, why? Because of the equality of Christ. We're reaching broken, hurting people, why? Because of the equality of Christ. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. If you'd have met Pastor Rick 12 years ago, you'd have never thought he'd be Pastor Rick. I just thought this morning, if you'd have heard me speak when I was 18 years old, you would never come to a church to hear me speak (laughs) other than my sister. She has to love me, right? It's in the bylaws of our family. The reality, if you'd have known me when I was 17 years old, you'd have never said, hey, I want to follow that guy as my pastor one day. But the redeeming work of Christ, the redeeming work of Christ. Put His image and His mark in me. God put His image and His mark in you. And through the process of redemption and daily yielding to the work of His grace, God draws out the image of who He is. And I said it a while ago, there's more of Him that you haven't seen yet, and I want to see it. And there's more of Him in you that I haven't seen yet, and I want to see it. And we are committed together to seeing the glory of God manifest and revealed through the hearts and lives of broken people that are being restored and made whole by His grace. Why? Because every person matters to God. That's equality in Christ. Let me give you another thought about this this morning. Equality in Christ removes the limits. And it gives every person equal access to God. Galatians 6, 26 through 29 says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at that. We are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You were born created in the image of God, but you only become a child of God through faith in Jesus. Amen. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes, right? You want to know why it's important to be baptized? Because baptism publicly identifies you in Christ. It's like putting on a new garment, right? Laying aside the old, putting on the new. Next Sunday we're going to celebrate baptism. If you've been saved and never been baptized, then you need to sign up through our connection track at the 11 o'clock service to get baptized. Why? Because the Bible says through baptism, look what it says, we are united with Christ. There is a unity. We are identified with him. It's not our salvation. We're not saved because we get wet. We're saved because we have faith. And the one who paid the price for our sins. But baptism unites us and identifies us with Christ. And it's a declaration that, hey, I'm putting on a new man. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Amen. Look at verse 28. He says, and there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of God and you are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Equality in Christ removes the limits. Verse 28, look what he says. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. What he just did in that verse, he he didn't say, this is what he didn't say. He didn't say that when you get saved, you're no longer a Jew or a Gentile. And he didn't say that when you get saved, you're no longer free or a slave. And he didn't say that when you get saved, you're no longer a male or a female. What he did say is when you get saved, you become one in Christ. What he is saying is that through Jesus Christ, the limits are removed. The limits are removed because those three things define the key limits that come over every culture and every generation. Here's what it is. It is, number one, people think they are limited by their birth, their nationality, the color of their skin, right? Well, if I'd have just been born to that family, you know what, I could have been successful. If I could have had that kind of parents, I could have been successful. And I can't succeed at life because my parents were drug addicts. Or I can't can't get an education because my parents didn't graduate from high school. And I can't do this because I was born in the wrong family. The next element, he says, is slave or free. Let me interpret that this way, rich or poor. Think about how many excuses we make. Well, if I just had more money. Right? If I had money, I could do what God had called me to do. If I had a better job, I could do what God had called me to do. If I had a better education, I could do what God had called me to do. And all these excuses, all these limits that we place upon our life. And then the last one is gender, right? Well, if I was just a male or if I was just a female, right? Especially in that culture, right? In that culture, if you were a woman prior to Jesus, you were property. You might be traded like a cow. That's really how it was. And when I hear people say, well, the Bible's written from a male chauvinist mentality, I think you are the most ignorant person on the planet. Because Christianity did more to liberate women from the oppression and bondage that they were under than any other thing that's ever happened on the planet. Jesus came in and brought liberty and equality to all people. And what he is saying here in Galatians, he's not saying that you're not a male or a female. He's not saying that you're not free or you're not a slave or you're not a Jew or you're not a Gentile. No, he goes on and talks specifically about how we ought to live out those areas of our life in that distinct role that we're operating in. But what he is saying is the limit that you have placed on your life is no longer there in Christ. You are now all one in Christ Jesus. You have equal access and equal opportunity to all that God has for you. And that's amazing. And again, if we could just begin to grab hold of this, we would begin to understand that there is no longer an excuse. The Bible says we are heirs, and elsewhere it says we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And all the promises of God that God made to Abraham are now ours. And the scripture also says that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God the Father. There is equal access and equal opportunity because the limits have been removed. Now, we we have this little lie we tell our children, it says something like this, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. That's not 100% true. But let me tell you what is 100% true. When you grow up, you can be everything God wants you to be. See, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. A little white, a little short, and a little less talented than (laughs) what I needed to be to get there. (laughs) Somebody say white men can't jump. I mean help me Jesus right that's what I wanted to be I can't be anything I want to be but I can be everything God's called me to be I can be everything why because Jesus created equality the blood of Jesus Christ the sacrifice that he made for our sins the power of the Holy Spirit the revelation of the Word of God has now made a level playing field for all humanity there is no limit You can be everything God has called you to be. You can do everything God has called you to do. The only thing keeping you from the fullness that God has for your life is you. It is the self-imposed limitations and excuses that we have on our life. So I want you to think about it for just a minute. Think about the excuses that you make. What are they? Because those excuses are actually the self-imposed limits that you, not God, that you have placed on your life. And if you're willing today to grab hold of the equality that's in Christ, if you're willing to recognize that in Christ there's not Jew or Gentile, there's not slave or free, there's not male or female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are equal, but we're not the same, but we are equal. And there is liberty and freedom and opportunity for everybody. I can have all of God that I want to have. And that's an awesome thought. It's a sobering thought. (laughs) It's sobering in the sense that many times we have leaned on our excuses and we have blamed others for our lack of commitment to become the person God has called us to be. But the reality is, is there is no limit because every person now has equal access to God the Father through the Son. You can have all that he has for you and you can be all that he's called you to be. Why? Because that's what Jesus accomplished through the cross, his resurrection, the Holy Spirit and the word of God now living and abiding and dwelling in us. And it's a beautiful thing, amen? So let's look at this next point. I want you to see this. Let's kind of cross the bridge here a little bit. So everyone in Christ has the same value, liberties, access and opportunities. But everyone doesn't have the same roles and responsibilities. We are equal, but not the same. Everybody has the same access, the same value, the same worth, the same opportunities. The limits have been removed for every person. You can become all that God's called you to be. The reality is everybody has the same liberties and freedoms in Christ as every other person. We are all valuable and significant because we were created in the image and likeness of God. Everybody has the same liberties and privileges, but not everybody has the same roles or responsibilities. Why? Because we are equal, but we're not the same. Second Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul clarifies this for us. He says, yes, there are many parts but only one body. And the eye can never say the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we, are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Look at verse 25. He said, and this makes for harmony among the members, right? What is the goal of this series? It's relational harmony. This makes for harmony. God so created the body, one body, equal liberty, equal access, equal opportunity, but different roles and responsibility. How many of you know that the role and responsibility of your heart is different than the role and responsibility of your hand? The role and responsibility of your elbow is different than the role and responsibility of your kidneys. And each part of your body has equal access, liberty, and value, right? I mean, every part of me is important. I like all of me. How about you? I mean, just think about it. If you had to cut off one part, what part would you cut? I don't want to cut off any part. I think they're all significantly important, right? I want every finger and every toe. I like my ears and my eyes and my mouth and all the things that happen on the inside that I don't even ever think about. I'm glad they're there, right? They are all equally valuable. They are all equally important. They all have equal access and opportunity to be all that they were created to be, but they have distinct roles and distinct responsibilities. They are equal, but not the same. And that's the picture of me and you. That's the picture not only of the church, that's the picture of your family. Think about it. What would happen if you gave the role and responsibility of financially providing for your family to your three-year-old? You would starve (laughs) and you would die, right? Everybody in the family is important. Everybody in the family is significant. Everybody in the family has access to everything in the family. But you know what? We're equal, but we're not the same. Why? Because we have different roles and we have different responsibilities. And here's the key. The key is this. When we begin to recognize that, we begin to honor that, we begin to celebrate that, and we begin to care for one another as one, as different parts of the same body, all of a sudden it produces a supernatural work that only God can do. And all of a sudden, our families work, our churches work, our communities work, our jobs work. You ever been on a job where somebody wanted somebody else's job? They wanted their role. They wanted their responsibility. And they weren't going to be happy until they got that position. And guess what? They made everybody miserable. Why? Because we're all equal, but we're not the same. We all have different roles and we all have different responsibilities. And God joined us together that way, the Bible says, on purpose. Look at verse 25. He says, he did this on purpose so that this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. He did it on purpose. He made us different on purpose. He made us equal but not the same on purpose. Why? So that we would understand we need each other. What Forrest and Lisa's doing, I can't do. What Curtis and Diane's doing, I can't do. What Jimmy and Karen's doing, I can't do. What Mike and Debbie's doing, I can't do. We all have a unique role and a responsibility in the body of Christ, in our families, in our communities, in our world. And when we fulfill the role and responsibility that God has given us, we're all equal, but we're not the same. And when we begin to embrace that and celebrate that and care for one another, because all of a sudden, because here's the natural natural tendency of our flesh is, if you're different from me, I don't like you. Or maybe at least, maybe I don't, maybe it's not that I don't like you, but I don't value you as much as I value people that are like me because they're like me. And the more people I get around me that are like me, the more I feel validated and this is what we ought to be. But how many of you know that when you get everybody around you that's just like you, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> there's about a thousand things that aren't getting done in your home. <laughs> That aren't getting done on the job, that aren't getting done in the church, that aren't getting done in the family, that aren't getting done in the community, that aren't getting done in the nation because everybody's just like you and that's a dangerous place to be. But God put us all together so that we would have harmony with each other. Look at verse 26, if one part suffers, they all suffer. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. All of you together, y'all say that with me. All of you together. One more time. All of you together, let's say it, are Christ's body. And each of you, the Bible says, are a part of it. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you are a part of it. Let me give you our last thought for today. So there is a distinct difference between us. And when we learn to celebrate those differences and honor them, we experience the fullness of life that comes through unity and harmony. There's a distinct difference. How many of you know we're different? Amen? We got that established today. We're equal, but we're not the same. And it is that distinct difference that doesn't divide us, it is that distinct difference that unites us. It is that distinct difference that gives us an opportunity to create harmony. How many of you know harmony is not everybody doing the same thing? Harmony is everybody singing different parts of the same song. Right? That's what harmony is. Harmony is not conformity. Harmony is not everybody look like me. I mean, if everybody looked like me, we'd be good looking, but it'd be a sad place to be. If everybody looked like Stephen, I don't know what we would do. It would be. Psalms 133, let's look at this. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. And then he compares harmony to three things. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. He compares harmony and unity to the anointing. The anointing oil that was poured on Aaron. I want you to understand that when there is harmony and unity, when we begin to celebrate, care for, and honor each other's differences, you know what happens? God anoints it. God anoints it with his presence. God anoints it with his power. You ever show up in a place where there's unity and you know what will happen immediately, you will sense the presence of God. See, one of the things I love to hear people say is when we, Pastor Keith, I pulled on the parking lot for the first time, I just felt something I had never felt before. When I walked in the doors of this church, I just felt something I had never felt before. You know what that is? That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of God where God anoints harmony and unity, where we celebrate our differences. We are equal, but we're not the same. Look at the next part. He says, harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. Harmony and unity refreshes like dew. There is a refreshment. There is a life-giving substance that begins to fall over the hearts of people. It keeps us from becoming stagnant and stale. How many of you have ever had strife in your home and you knew that when you were going home today because of strife in the home, how many of you know your home did not represent a refreshing place to be when there's strife when there's division when there's discord there's no refreshment it's not refreshing it's a weight and all of a sudden people start dreading going home they start dreading going to work they start dreading going to church why because there's division and strife why but where there's unity you know what happens there's a refreshing dew from heaven That energizes and gives life to every person that's present the last thing look at this what he says he said and there the Lord pronounced his blessing even life evermore the place of unity and harmony is a place of anointing it's a place of refreshing and it's also the place that God pronounces and declares his blessing it's a place of blessing now now let this let me tell you what I know about all of us in this room here today if you're a parent or a grandparent this is what this is what I know about you when you see your kids working together in harmony and unity it doesn't matter if they're little kids cleaning the bedroom or if they're grown kids working together for some common goal when you see your kids working together in harmony and unity you know what you want to do as a parent you want to bless them you want to help them you'll give them money you'll give them support, you'll make phone calls, you'll go out of the way, you'll stay up late, you'll get up early, you'll move things, you'll pack things, you'll shift things, you'll haul things, you'll do all kind of crazy things. When you see your kids in harmony and agreement with other people, you want to bless that, you want to prosper that, and you know what? Most of the time, you're not going to benefit from it at all. But when you see your kids united together in harmony, all of a sudden, you want to get behind that. And you put your blessing on it. That thing that you and I feel as parents and grandparents, that's the heart of God. That's how God feels when he sees his church working together. That's how God feels when he sees your family working together. That's how God feels when he sees people on a job, in a, in a company, working together. And he wants to anoint it and refresh it and bless it and pour out his spirit on it. And let me just give you one thought and I'm going to close with a testimony. One day of God's favor is more than a lifetime of labor. Right? God can do in a day what you couldn't do in a lifetime. When he anoints it, refreshes it, and blesses it, God can do in a day what you could not do in a lifetime. Let me give you a real life testimony. 13 months ago, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't miss anything. Get all my dates right here. 13 months ago, last month, 13 months ago, We opened the Women's Sunshine House. Next month in March, we're going to be celebrating our first three graduates from the women's home. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. So 13 months ago, we opened the home. Next month, we're going to celebrate three graduates. But I want you to know something. For over three years, for over three years, Pastor Rick can probably tell you exactly how many years, a long time. But for over three years, we planned And we prayed about opening a women's home. For over a year, we worked with local businessmen in our community that said they wanted to financially fund the opening of that home. They said, we want to give you around $250,000 to build a home for these women and start this thing off right. And for over a year, we worked with these local businessmen. And after over a year of working with them, they still had given us. And one day in a meeting, 14 months ago 14 months ago we were in a we were in a meeting and the lord said it's time to open the home do it now and just like that god spoke he spoke just like that and within a month we'd found a home and in another month we'd remodeled the home and then january of last year 13 months ago we opened the doors of the Women's Sunshine House with $20,000, not $250,000. Thirteen months later, that home is self-sufficient, financially supporting itself. Three women about to graduate, eight women living in the house, and we have a list of ladies from five counties and multiple states that are looking for an opportunity to come and get in the Women's Sunshine House right here in Arab, Alabama. Why? Because when God's people come together for God's glory, in a moment, what you couldn't do in three years, what you couldn't do in one year, what $250,000 couldn't do, God can do with $20,000. If you'll just set your heart to work with one another, serve Him and glorify Him, because that is the God we serve. Amen? I want you to bow your heads this morning. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you've never met Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today is your day, the Bible says. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. You don't have to wait. We serve a great God. He's removed the limits. He's opened a pathway for you to become all that He's called and created you to be. But it all begins with faith in Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't perform for it. You can't give enough to obtain it. It simply comes to faith in Jesus in Jesus alone. So in just a minute, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Why do I have to stand, Pastor Keith? Because faith without works is dead. If you can't stand up in here with people that love and care about you, you'll never stand up out there in a world that is op- in opposition to what God's calling us to do. So today, Jesus loves you. And he cleared the path for you to know God and have his best for your life your sins forgiven, your future settled and his work established in your life he wants to reveal the glory of God that he's placed in you and all you got to do is receive it today by faith, by faith I believe Jesus died on the cross by faith I believe he rose again on the third day to pay the price for my sins and by faith I want to ask him today to be my Lord and Savior and commit my life to follow him from this day forward one, this is your moment today Today is a day of salvation. Two, Jesus is waiting on you. He is calling you unto himself. Three, stand right now. Stand to your feet and say, "Today today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. This is your moment. God, we stand today in faith. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray today your blessing over your people. I pray that today the revelation of equality in Christ would burn deep in our hearts, that it would liberate us and free us to be all that you've called us to be. And Lord, that today we would remove the excuses and the barriers that have held us back and that we would embrace the fullness of life that you have given us in Christ Jesus. We bless your name and your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Have a great, great day in the Lord. Amen.